Welcome to my show, Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies that I meet in my life. This is your host, Priyanka Komla. And today I have with me a very special guest, Marissa Levin, who's joining us from Washington, D.C. Hi. How are you doing today? It's, I'm great. It's a great day. It's such a beautiful day here in Washington, D.C. And Marissa and I were like, hey, we need to be outdoors. Thank you so much, Marissa, for taking your time to be part of our Career Startup Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for doing this, giving giving uh, entrepreneurs a platform and being able to educate others. It's wonderful. Thank you, Marissa. So Curry Up Startup Podcast to our listeners is focused on Asian entrepreneurs and inspiring leaders, but also allies who would be you know, willing to share interesting wisdom to the Asian leadership community. Mm-hmm. So I feel you as a leadership expert could add a lot of value and thoughts to our community. So thank you so much for being again on our show. Of course. So, Marissa, I'm going to get started with, um, you know, who you are. So, Marissa is an entrepreneur. She's a speaker and a globally recognized growth strategist with almost three decades of experience under her belt. And Marissa's lifetime legacy mission is to educate, equip, and empower 100 million entrepreneurs and leaders with the skill sets and mindset they need to reach their greatest potential. That's a very inspiring vision, Marissa. Well, I actually came up with the whole idea of Lifetime Legacy Mission. I kind of made that up and and I really thought about the impact I wanted to make in the world. It's not something that is necessarily quantifiable. I'll never know if I'll address and, and impact 100 million. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but and that's one fourth of the entrepreneurs that are actually in the world. By the way, there are there are actually four times the amount of 100 million entrepreneurs in the world. And my whole thing was that I wanted to impact 100 million, not only obviously directly, but you know through venues like this show, or through my writing, or through my speaking, whatever it would be, the message that goes out there in the universe then trickles down to so many other people. And if I can help leaders live their best lives and step into their greatest potential, they end up leading better organizations. And so that's how the message gets out there to 100 million people. Thank you so much, Marissa. And to our listeners, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, today. And if you're thinking about why you need to listen to the show, I have three interesting aspects that I'm going to talk to uh, with Marissa. One is, if you're a solopreneur, how do you grow a multi-million dollar organization? Mm-hmm. And two, if you're a business, you know the three critical most aspects um, of business growth is leadership development, strategy, and organization culture. And here's an expert who deals with all the three critical aspects of business growth. Right. And three, and the most important of all, mm-hmm. is the growing remote work culture amidst mm-hmm. the pandemic. You know, how do organizations position themselves? So those are the three critical things that we'll talk about. But more than that, I'm also going to unveil the real Marissa, who believes that she's just getting started, though she has two decades of experience under her belt. So Marissa, Marissa, I know you grew up in Baltimore here in Maryland, which is a neighboring, uh, you know, place in next to Washington, D.C. Tell us about your childhood experiences. Sure. So I'm the youngest of three. I have two older brothers uh, who are six and eight years older than I am. And uh, I've just, I've always been someone I think who's very much of a free spirit. So um, very relationship driven, really from the get go. I always had a lot of friends around me. Uh, Being with people was really important to me. I've always been a 
uh, prolific communicator. I, you know, I've always been a writer, whether it was fiction, nonfiction, poetry, just uh, the gift of gab, I guess, and the gift of communication. It was kind of funny because I used to get in trouble a lot for talking uh, when I was in elementary school. And I was actually told by our principal that if I silenced the chatter, I would perform miracles which is a really good lesson because so often as children, we are programmed and we are directed uh, to sometimes suppress, you know, uh, our own gifts, right? And, and our ways in which really we can show up in the world and light up the world. And the truth is, is that if I would have listened to that type of feedback that I talk too much, that, you know, I should be quieter, think about it, if I would have listened to that, then I probably wouldn't have brought my voice to the world. So I think it's really important. And I have two children. I have a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old. And the way that I has been really important to me to raise them is to make sure that they always know to step into their light. Uh, and one of the things I've always taught them is that you will be too much for some people, but remember that those aren't your people. So for me as a child, I was definitely raised by parents who really encouraged my self-expression, who really encouraged my individuality. I was definitely very different than my brothers. One is a doctor, one is an attorney. Uh, and then my father is actually an aerospace engineer at NASA. Um, I was raised in a home of service. Um, my father, you know, working for NASA was very mission driven. My mom, uh, in, in her later part of her career, actually ran uh, the largest AIDS and homeless shelter in Baltimore City. Um, and both of them were extremely, extremely involved in our synagogue uh, as leaders there. So spirituality was always a very central tenant to how I was raised and service. And I find that, you know, as an adult now, service and spirituality are actually a huge part of who I am and how I show up in the world. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. You know, community engagement seems to be the fabric in the way your family upbringing um, happened. So thank you for, you know, for the, all the interesting wisdom that you shared. And the most important aspect, Marissa, is stepping into your own light, as you mentioned, and finding mm -hmm. your voice and making sure that voice is heard irrespective of all the naysayers you have surrounding yourself. So that's something, uh, you know, interesting that, uh, uh, that you shared with us. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, listening to your inner voice, but also knowing that sometimes that inner voice changes, right? Um, and we were talking before we came on the show, I think, you know, one of the uh, epiphanies and realizations that I've recently had, uh, even though I knew it, uh, because I'm a huge Steve Jobs fan, and I, you know, I followed a lot of, of what his teachings were, was that uh, you can only really see how things connect, how the dots connect when you look backwards. And that was something that he talked about a lot in the different speeches that he gave. And, you know, here I am 30 years into my own journey, um, both personal and professional. When I say personal, I mean, I'm 53 years old, um, but, but, but my 30 year professional journey, and I can look back and I can really see how it all is coming together. And uh, I really believe that I am just getting started. Like there's so much more of an impact that I can be making in the world. And there's so many things that are unfolding before me with professional opportunities, learning opportunities, community opportunities, impact opportunities. And I'm just really excited to step into all of that. So you started your entrepreneurial journey back in 1995. Mm -hmm. What aspects of your childhood experience shaped you into becoming an entrepreneur and that to a successful entrepreneur who's yet humble? That's a really great question. And thank you for that wonderful compliment. Um, being told that I'm humble is definitely one of the most wonderful things that I could hear. So thank you for that. 
Um, so that's a really good question because my mom actually raised me and taught me to never let anyone else determine your value or your worth. And when I was working for a company prior to when I started my first company, that's actually exactly what happened. I was working for someone and I was making them a lot of money and I, you know, uh, I was growing with them. I mean, you know, I was, it was, I was very young. So clearly I had a lot to learn at that point, but, but still um, my value was still very high. And so when it became time for me uh, to get my raise, you know, and to go in there and have my performance review, I actually had engaged the, the help of a mentor and he helped me build a business case and quantify what my value was in the organization based on my level of uh, of expertise, the fact that I had a master's degree, how much money I was making the company, the fact that they were billing me out on multiple jobs simultaneously. And I went in there with a, with a very uh, business sound um, recommendation on what I was worth in the marketplace. And he looked at me, the boss, the CEO of the company, and he said, you'll never be worth more than $34,000 to my company. So at that moment, you know, the lessons that I learned from my mom about never letting anyone determine um, or quantify your worth or your value, that's really when they kicked in. And that was the moment that I knew that I was not going to be staying at that company and that I was going to launch my own company. And my undergraduate degree was in English with a concentration in Shakespeare. Again, getting back to the communication, the writing and you know things of that nature. I didn't have a business background, but I knew that I was not going to stay in a place working for someone who didn't value me. And that really was kind of like the, the impetus for me starting my own company. So let us talk about information experts, which is uh, you know one of the uh, experiences that you've had, a mm -hmm. communications and education firm. And as a solopreneur, you grew it into a multi-million dollar organization. Mm -hmm. What is one advice you would give to an upcoming entrepreneur? Uh, so it's really important to surround yourself with other people and to be comfortable with reaching out for help because that's never a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and it's a sign of growth. So having the right advisors around you, and that's why I wrote my first book, Built to Scale, um, it's really, really important to feel comfortable asking for help. And when I did start that company, uh, the first thing that I did when I launched Information Experts is I designed, I, I defined my core values. So what is it that you stand for? What do you believe? What is your North Star, your moral compass? What behaviors will you tolerate and will you not accept? Who are you at your core? And if you don't know what you stand for, there's a saying, you know, when we stand for nothing, we fall for anything. So it's really important to know what you stand for and build your company around those core values. And then know what your mission is. So why do you exist? Why are you building this company? And, you know, for example, information experts is an education training and, and, you know, marketing communications company, right? That's not why we exist. We existed uh, when I was running it to help other organizations fulfill their missions. And we did that through the creation and dissemination of excellently created education and communications products. Our mission was not to be a communications company or to design great training. Our mission was to help other organizations achieve their mission through the services that we provided. And that's very different. So really knowing what your core values are, your mission is, and your vision are, once you have those things defined, those become the foundation for your organization. 
And that foundation piece is very critical for the success of any organization. And I think a lot of organizations are focusing on them, especially with a global pandemic. You know, everybody's trying to figure out what do they really stand for. Right. So, so thank you for sharing that. Now, talking about your book, um, you have it right over there. Oh, right there. there you go. So Built to Scale is focused on how top companies create breakthrough growth through exceptional advisory boards. Yes. One takeaway that you can share with our listeners from your book. Okay. So when companies want to surround themselves with advisors or build an advisory board, it's not the advisor's job to do what I just stressed. Like it's not their job to uh, create the values, create the vision, create the mission. Having your strategic plan in place before you go look for advisors is super important and being very clear on who you need around you at the table. And that's part of the whole process that we lead our clients through that hire us to build advisory boards. But, you know, I have a quote in there uh, by Plato that says that the beginning is the most important part of the work. And the reason that I put that in there in the beginning is because there's a lot of upfront work that needs to happen before you go out and ask for help because you need to know why you're asking for help in the first place. So it's doing that introspection that you need to know. Um, before you reach out. So you believe in three critical aspects um, of business growth with leadership development, with strategy and organization culture and assessment. Tell us one thing that organizations should do today to do a better job in each of these different dimensions. So organizations today, I mean, that I'm going to really zero in on organizations today because it's it's a whole different ballgame uh, for organizations who are, you know, they're now... Uh, leading and managing remote workforces, and they are uh, they are leading in in uh, environments and times that this has never happened before. So the single most important thing that I would say is uh, you know critical for leadership is communication. Um, the way leaders are communicating, uh, the frequency of how they're communicating really making sure that they are connected to their empathy and their compassion. Um, it's a, it's just a whole different ball game of my company, Successful Culture International. We do a lot of training on conscious and unconscious bias, recognizing that in the workplace and resolving that uh, emotional intelligence, communication strategies, leading remote work teams. We do a lot of online training on all of these and having the skill sets around emotional intelligence around recognizing unconscious bias, recognizing uh, exclusion, uh, you know, behaviors, things of that nature, uh, knowing how to communicate effectively in today's environment, it is absolutely the single most important skill set that a leader can have. Thank you for sharing that interesting advice. Now, you have won several awards as a global influencer, as a trailblazer. Mm -hmm. How does it feel uh, on all these different recognitions that you, you've you're right with the, I should say. I, I mean, the awards are nice. They're definitely, they're, de they're definitely nice. Um, but they're not, for me, they're not the, the most important thing. The most important thing for me is the impact that I can make and being able to be a role model for other entrepreneurs. However, I will say one thing about the awards. Um, there was, uh, there were a couple particular awards that the thing that made them most meaningful for me, my mom has been gone now for um, over six years, six and a half years, I lost my mom. And 
for any entrepreneur out there that's listening, uh, you know, that's a right that's rising and and will be in the position of getting awards. Um, if your parents are alive, take them to the award show. Let them come and experience it. Um, that it really is why the awards for me were so valuable because I was able to bring my mom to some of the award ceremonies and she was able to see me be recognized. And that is what made those events so impactful and memorable for me that she was able, she was so proud and so much of who I am is because of my parents. And so for her to be able to experience that and our, you know, my, I'm 53. And so, you know, my mom would have been uh, 91 this year. And so when our parents were growing up, I mean, you know, I, I, I launched my business and, and there were very few women business owners or entrepreneurs anywhere. And so, you know, our, our parents, my mom never had the opportunities that I had to launch a business and to have these types of award ceremonies. And so for her to be able to experience that of her daughter, it was truly um, a momentous time for her. And so that's why those awards were really the most valuable for me because I could share it with my mom. That's a very touching story, Marissa. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Has she ever shared with you how she felt about your success? She did. I mean, like I said, she's been gone for six years, but yeah, she, um, yeah, she was very proud of me and, you know, to be able to share that with her was tremendous. And, you know, my dad's proud of me too. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's meaningful. No, I see you as a torch bearer for the next generation of people as well, <laughs> millennials as well. We feel proud about the work that you do. So thank you for continuing to inspire a lot of entrepreneurs. As well. oh, thank you. Thank you for recognizing it. So I think this is a nice segue question for you, Marissa. You started your career at a time when there were very few women entrepreneurs back mm -hmm. in the 90s. Tell us about your support system. I know your mom might have been a great source of support, but also I would love for you to share with our listeners how you kept your inner drive grow, going, you know, as you face the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. It was tough. Um, it, you know what? It, re it really was tough. I mean, we didn't have Facebook groups. We didn't have LinkedIn groups. Um, I think for me, you know, one of my favorite mantras in life is the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So even back then, I mean, just the ability to uh, do as much speaking as I possibly could to help other entrepreneurs coming behind me. I did a lot of speaking at my alma mater, University of Maryland. That's where I got my undergraduate degree. And they had a really, really good uh, CEO and entrepreneurial program for undergraduate students called the Hinman CEO Program. And I was a big part of that. And then I also guest lectured at their, at their Smith Business School. So being engaged, I think, with students for me was really, really motivating, inspiring and impactful. And um, I don't, you know, I can't really say where the drive to build a company came from. I, I, I don't know, um, but I just know that I built it one project at a time and one impact at a time. And I had really good advisors around me to kind of help me navigate that. I don't think I could have done it without my advisors. So just, you know, I'm all about letting life unfold the way it's supposed to unfold and trusting the process. And look, if I would have known all that I would have known, if I would have known it was going to be so hard, who knows if I would have done it. Um, but I'm certainly really glad that I did. You know, sometimes you have to let the universe unfold all the Absolutely. Magic, right? That are yeah. going to come to, you, come to you as part of the journey. Yeah. The one thing you noticed in your 
career journey is the value of mentorship and having mm-hmm. advisors. What's adv- what's an advice that you would give to our listeners on creating a board of advisors and having constant mentorship as part of your career experiences? So, you know, I do a um, mindset masterclass on LinkedIn at 10 a.m. And I actually talked about the mindset of mentorship. And and I also talked about the mindset of learning and they all they both kind of go together. So, you know, I view the classroom, I, I view the world as our largest classroom. Right. Like I I believe that in every moment we are in a place of learning. I mean, you're in a place of learning right now for me. I'm in a place of learning from you. Your listeners are in a place of learning from both of us. I I believe in every moment we can be learning from others and we can be um, teaching others. And so I'm always I'm a seeker. I mean, I I am constantly listening to audible books and reading and and I'm a seeker. Um, so that's just the, the mindset that I have. And so I'm always going to be reaching out to people. And even, you know, I had to create a document this morning that was a new type of business document that I created. And my, my thought was, who can I have review this for me? You know, I just immediately went to, okay, I wrote this. Is there something I'm missing? Should I, you know, am I, should I take something out? My first thought literally was who can I have review this for me? Who's in my inner circle that are my advisors that will help me? Because I truly believe that, that everybody has a desire to help and uh, we're all connected to one another. So for me, mentorship, advisory services, those types of things, they have to be an integral part of personal growth and of business growth. I truly agree with uh, the value of mentorship because it helps you see different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a two-way street as well. You get to learn, the mentor gets to learn from you as well. So it's a yeah. nice way to give and take. So um, yeah, uh, I would encourage all of us to seek mentorship both in your personal and your professional journey. Now, Marissa, talk to us about work culture. You know, work culture is very important in today's organizations and everybody's talking about this buzzword. But with COVID and remote work being the norm, mm-hmm. how do you think organizations are shifting their cultures to adapt to the changing times? So I'm really glad you brought up this question. You know, organizations, what has been thrust upon them is the need to shift their culture. I mean, whether you were a company that was already embracing remote learning, you were not embracing it in the way that it has shown up, right? Like even like for me, when I was building information experts, one of my core values was responsible flexibility. And the reason that I had that value is because I had two little kids and I needed, I needed to be flexible, right? So you can't be hypocritical. You can't, you can't run an organization and say, oh, I have to leave at four o'clock, but you need to stay till seven. It's very important that there's an alignment between how the leader acts and what they expect their employees to do. So it's not, you know, it's got to be, I, I walk the walk. I don't just talk the talk. And so for me, responsible flexibility was always a core value. And what that meant was that we hired people who had a really strong work ethic and we didn't have the desire or the time to be a micromanager. So we had to have people in there who were very self-directed, uh, who were committed to doing the business, but at the same time, our company recognized that work was a critical part of their life, but it was only one aspect of their life. And so when we had, you know, when we were introducing telecommuting, and this was going back to the beginning of the 2000s, it was such a progressive idea. I mean, in the DC region, we were truly a trailblazer for that. And we were recognized for that as being on the edge of letting people do telecommuting. 
Your question now about, you know, running an organization with a remote learning, a remote or, you know, workforce or a remote culture. The thing that's so different about it now is that it's been forced upon companies overnight, right? So, so there hasn't been an opportunity to adapt. There hasn't been an opportunity to recruit people who will thrive in that environment. Whether you thrive in that environment or not, that's the environment you're in. And the other thing is that, you know, when when traditional companies allowed for uh, for remote learning, life was back to it was when life was, quote unquote, normal. Your kids were in school. Right. Like you were at home working. Your kids were in school and you were living your life. You didn't have to worry about going places and catching, you know, COVID and you didn't have that stress of a pandemic. Now you're dealing with remote workers who may or may not have the space, like the actual physical space to be doing remote learning. A lot of them are working out of spare bedrooms with, with compromised equipment, or they're working at a dining room table. And they're also dealing with helping their kids do online learning. And they're dealing with the fear and the uncertainty of a health pandemic. So this isn't like, oh, how do I figure out how to have a remote workforce and have a, a, a remote learning, you know, remote culture? That none about nothing going on with any of this is normal. None of it's normal. So everything about building a culture in today's environment just it, it's never been done before. And it just requires leaders to really step up in a way that they're figuring it out as they go along. It's it, there's a lot of uh, complexity to what's happening in the workforce today. Very true, medicine. I think there's a lot of learning curve for the organization, yeah. the leadership, and Huge. the staff as well, because yeah. we're trying to put our lives together, both from a you know physical space perspective, emotional right. well-being standpoint. So it's it's a very complicated uh, situation to be in. But I think we're just adapting. You know, as humans. It's the survival of the fittest norm, right? So we just have to get along and ensure we still live a happy and a peaceful life, being productive at the same time. Right. But we're dealing with an environment that, and this is something that I'm talking, you know, we've had these conversations with our clients. It's a very volatile environment right now. There, it's a very um, uh, divisive and polarized environment right now. And so people are going to be coming back into the office and they're coming from a place of fear. So, you know, traditionally companies have a roadmap. They have a playbook for how to take PTO, how to take maternity leave and paternity leave, how to take bereavement leave, how to take mental health days, how to take vacation. Like there's, there's a playbook on how to do that. And it's all uh, steeped in com compliance, right? Where we are right now is there's no playbook for how to bring people back in this environment. And it's rooted in fear. It's, it's just, there's, it's so different and it's so hard. And employees are gonna be coming back and they're gonna be coming back with a lot of really, really firm opinions about what's happening in the world. Right. They're going to have opinions about society and the unjustness that's going on in society. They're going to have opinions about 
the whole pandemic, you know, running from the gamut of they need to be ultra conservative to this is a conspiracy theory. You're going to have people in the office on the entire spectrum. You're going to have people coming in the office that are completely divided in a way that's never been done, never seen before on the political spectrum. And so what that means is that leaders, and this is why the skills that we teach on emotional intelligence, communication skills, managing conflict, that's why those skills are so important. Leaders are being called to step up in a way to navigate conversations and to um, to diffuse conversations in a way they have never, ever been called on before. There's a lot of frenetic energy that's going to be coming into the office that they've never had to deal with before. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds really from company to company. That's very true. What's one advice that you're giving to your clients in terms of leadership dealing with these complex challenges at work? Well, you know, the ones that are taking our training, I mean, we feel that we are equipping them with the skills that they need. Like, you know, one of our training on communication strategies deals with something called the STAR feedback model. And it's a specific model on how you actually, um, you know, assess a situation, uh, you know, how you reflect on it, how you provide feedback. We're providing, you know, a lot of strategies on active listening. We're providing a lot of information on what emotional intelligence is and how leaders can show up, how they can demonstrate empathy and compassion and, and constructive listening. So for our clients that we're working with, we're equipping them with the tools that they need to be able to have those conversations and make sure that they're moving in a place of being responsive rather than being reactive. Um, that, you know, that's what, those are the conversations we're having with our clients. So that's the, those, you know, that's the awareness that, that leaders are going to need moving forward is how do I show up as a leader who, yes, I'm responsible for moving forward the organizational agenda and making sure that we're moving towards profitability and, and sustainability. But at the same time, how am I supporting my people in a way that, that we've never had to support them before? I mean, certain walls have been knocked down. Like, you know, in the past, there was a barrier between leadership and employees and there was separation, you know, and now what's happening, like with all these Zoom calls and team meetings and all these other types of meetings online, there's just no separation. We're seeing into their families. We're seeing into their home life. There's just, it's, it, I mean, we are more exposed and more transparent as human beings than we've ever been before in the work environment. And it, and it just requires us as leaders to show up in an entirely different way. You know, it's a huge paradigm shift, both for the leadership as well as for the employees, given mm -hmm. The pandemic and, as you mentioned, the society that we live in as well. So a lot of, you know, different layers that we will have to navigate. But hopefully, you know, we're all in this together and we can sail through it and, uh, you know, get on with our lives as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, the generations coming up behind us, I mean, they're watching how we're handling this. Um, and, uh, you know, their norm, you know, our disruption is going to become their norm. I agree. Yeah. Now tell us this, Marissa, when you look back at your life personally, was there a, ever a low moment in your journey that you could share with our listeners? Oh, that's a whole nother episode. There's so many low moments. Is there one that you could share with us? 
I mean, you know, my company definitely hit a lot of rough patches and there were times where we had to make really hard decisions. I mean, you know, we existed through, you know, the 9-11 attacks, which dramatically impacted our business, um, the implosion of the telecom industry, the internet industry, um, the housing industry, the automotive industry. I've had two cancer scares. You know, I've uh, my children have gone through difficulty. I've lost my mother and my stepmother. And, you know, I mean, life just kind of happens. And so, um, yeah, there have certainly been a lot of, of low moments um, throughout my journey. Uh, and, you know, I reach back to my own personal circles of support, um, my spirituality practices. As you know, I do a lot of meditation and gratitude work and mindfulness work and truly learning how to trust the process and um, and recognize that I'm part of something so much bigger than myself and just, um, you know, doing that spiritual work. I mean, that's really has been kind of like my grounding force. I couldn't agree more. But thank you so much for, you know, sharing things that have been so close to you and being open about, you know, uh, how you just have to get through life. Yeah. You have a smile on your face. No, that's the best part about Marissa. She's, you know, as I rightly mentioned, she's so humble, irrespective of her success. And I think the grounded force in her is clearly shown through this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And also, I would, I just want to take a moment to mention the importance of mental health. Um, you know, I am very, very open about my own mental health journey. I have had situational depression and anxiety, whether it's been personal or professionally, in, you know, uh, activated. Um, and I'm going to put it out there. I have been in therapy on and off for 15 years. I mean, my therapy and my counseling, you know, my, uh, my, my therapist is a lifeline for me. And so right now I know that we are going through so much stress, so much uncertainty, so much anxiety. And if there's really anything that I can leave our viewers and listeners with it's the um it, it's the knowledge that asking for help is a sign of self-love it's a sign of strength it's a sign of you know of, um wanting to be our best selves there's never anything that you know someone should feel shame about or embarrassment about i am very very proud of myself to surround myself with the help I need, whether that's my community of friends, my family, my spiritual practices, my my therapy that you know I depend on. I am all about making sure that I can do what I can to be a light in this world uh, for others, and that means you know engaging in in my own self care and my own self love. So I wanted just to put that out there. You know, Marissa, self love is very critical because we mm -hmm. have to put ourselves first. Mm -hmm. You know, putting your own oxygen mask first, right? When you're in a you know, plane, um, uh, uh, you know, as part of the plane safety measure, you know, that's the first yeah. thing that to tell you, right? And that's that's something that we find it very hard to do because we play multiple roles. Uh, and especially for women, I think our self-care and self-love is last on a list of things to do. But now uh, I think it's a perfect time for us to introspect and put ourselves first. Yeah, we can't pour from an empty cup. So we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. True. That brings us to the next best question we have for you. It's what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Well, okay. Um, that's a, that's a complicated question because it's, I have a lot I want to be able to leave behind. Um, but first and foremost, I have two sons ages 20 and 23. And the single most important thing that has driven my life, honestly, is that they are emotionally healthy and whole men so that when they grow up and they have, you know, they're, they're young adults now, 
um, that they have healthy relationships and they know they know how to treat women with love and compassion and respect and that they grow up you know, to be husbands and fathers that then pass that on. And so raising two men, you know, that are emotionally healthy and whole and are con connected to a larger world, you know, and community around them and know that they have um, an obligation to give back and to be part of something bigger than themselves. Really, that's the single most important legacy, because if I've built great companies and I've made good money and I've done all of that, those types of things, but I've raised children who, you know, are only about themselves, that to me is a failure. So definitely raising two men that are that are health, emotionally healthy and whole and connected to the world around them. That's my single most important legacy. Um, aside from that, um, you know, for me, I'm very committed to women, making sure that they have the resources and the skills and the communities and the mindsets to be able to step into their own power, to move from what I call um, suppression and oppression to expression, to move from stagnation to momentum, from, uh, you know, from fear to faith. I want to do what I can to help women in both personal and professional environments uh, really um really step into their power and not allow themselves to be suppressed, um, to know that they are here to live a life of joy and significance and that they have a lot to offer. And in fact, I am going to be getting involved with uh, a nonprofit um, called No Silence, No Violence. And it is an organization that helps women uh, and families who have been um, victims of uh, domestic abuse and helping them kind of you know, heal and step into their own light. So uh, helping women with that uh, is really important to me just to make sure that they can always step into their joy and find their voice and assert their power. That's truly inspiring, Marissa. Thank you for being a torch bearer, as I rightly mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. I think women need a lot of support from other women yeah. in terms of uplifting each other. Mm -hmm. And I, having people like you really helps us, um, you know, the next generation of, you know, young women to feel that, hey, you can step into your own shoes and have your inner voice and succeed in life in a way that you've dreamt. Yeah, yeah. So I'm honored to be able to do that work. Thank you. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. Awesome. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. You want to say the following. Okay. Role model. Uh uh role model um my father is a role model for me favorite book apart from the two books that you've authored uh so i would say the four agreements by don miguel ruiz is probably my favorite it's my favorite too what does happiness mean to you uh, ha uh happiness uh means uh let's see i think i'm um feeling fully connected to others and I would say the word love. That's what happiness means to me, love. What is the one thing that you wish you did differently in your three decades of career? Um, I wish I had more confidence in myself uh, in, the, in the early years. It's part of connecting the dots, right? What is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Love. Thank you, Marissa. So that was Marissa Levin, entrepreneur, speaker, author. Thank you so much for sharing your interest and wisdom about your career, you know, three decades of career experience, but also your personal self. So three important key takeaways that I always share with my listeners. And from this episode, 
are, you know, one is as women, we should dictate our value rather than looking out for others to tell what we deserve. And two, and the most important of all is ask for help, be it through your mentorship, surrounding yourself with a board of advisors who would help you both in your personal and professional journey. And three, and the most important of all is for women especially, is step into our own power. Mm -hmm. and, you know, dream the life that you want and live it to the fullest with joy. Thank you so much, Marissa, for being on our show. And to our listeners out there, I hope you found this episode to be very interesting with Marissa. And I hope you could join us on another interesting episode with another interesting guest. Until then, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies like Marissa. Thank you. Mm -hmm.